Welcome to the Clueless at the Work podcast, where we talk through a framework for being successful in your job. My name is Anthony Garone, and I'll be hosting this show with some friends who are experts in helping people grow. The content is based on my book, Clueless at the Work, Advice from a Corporate Tyrant, which is published by Stairway Press. You can find out more at cluelessatthework.com. Welcome back to the Clueless at the Work podcast. I'm very lucky to have my friend Chris Misterek here in the studio today. Chris, thanks so much for coming over. So happy to be here with you. Awesome. Thank you. So, uh, Chris, you are an unnamed guest in the book. Which I was surprised to find out. (laughs) Flattered. (laughs) Excellent. Yeah. uh, You know, sometimes, well, I wrote the book in such a short amount of time. I didn't think to ask people, is it okay if I use your name or your story or whatever? It was just like, just get it Yeah, actually, I'm not okay. I, I prefer you go back and do another edition. In fact, uh, this podcast is a confrontation. <laughs> this is me telling you I want you to redo the book. <laughs> so Chris is, uh, well, you know what? You tell the story yourself. Tell you know, yeah. who you are in the book, and then uh, you can go further into your story. Yeah, so I'm the guy more towards the end, which I would prefer have to have been up front, but again, we didn't have that conversation. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'm the guy who um, essentially changed careers from being a, a full-time musician to uh, a web developer and um, did that by freelancing in my free time. So more of the story, which... Um, you didn't talk about in the book, probably to reserve privacy. Um, but it, it, it all started when my, my wife of 10 years left me. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I had to figure out a way to make more money as, as a result because she made more than half of the income for our full household. So um, it wasn't reasonable for me to keep doing the job that I had and expect to be able to survive and make enough money to put away for retirement for kids for anything like that to have a home you know it it would have been bare minimum so um so we had a conversation at a coffee shop and you encouraged me um to look up web development and see if i was interested in it and so from that i went and started a course on code academy which Mm. wasn't something else that you referred to uh, referred to me and i instantly found out that i loved it you know, um, as soon as I figured out how to type hello world in HTML, I'm mm. like, this is amazing, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty sad because it's so simple, you know, but looking back, you're like, okay, I, I felt really empowered by this very simple thing that pretty much anybody could do, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, it sparked something in me. Um, and so from that, I began, um, building websites and started doing it for friends Um, it started getting paid for it. Um, then it escalated to, there was a demand, um, for me building websites for people, um, jumped on a website called, uh, Upwork, which was Odesk at the time and demand just kept increasing. And so, uh, eventually it turned into a a side hustle that matched the income of my full-time job. And, Mm -hmm. and I was, and I was happy with it being a side hustle because, I loved my work, you know, like I was a musician, but I was, I was a worship pastor at a church and, you know, you don't do that kind of thing for money. Right. And so, um, I, I loved being able to have something that gave me a sustainable income, but was something that I could still have a full-time job that I was really passionate about. But eventually, you know, I, I just, I, my passion for web development and web design just kept growing and growing and, and I made the leap this last year and started um, a full-time position as a UX web designer at a, at a tech company called show it, um, which is just an amazing place. And so from this, from my experience, um, I, I was actually talking with a, with one of our um, customer support guys at show it who was going to school for computer science. And I was, I was just asking him like, why aren't you doing any, any freelance stuff on the side? And he, his response was that he's, he's just afraid. He's afraid of making mistakes, not knowing what to do, not knowing how to find clients, mm-hmm. wa- wondering what the legal impact would be of him if, if he crashes a site. Um, so I was like, hey, like, those are all things I've been through. 
Like, why don't you let me, I'll help you through Mm -hmm. this. And so from that, I just, I, I, I reckoned that there were other people who were probably in a similar place, like, like fully capable of doing something like this, because in reality, like he, where he was at, at that moment in time was way farther along than when I started telling people I'm a web designer, you know? Right. And so, um, you know, so I started, um, a platform called self-made web designer with the intent of helping people go from not knowing anything about design and development to becoming either a full-fledged side hustle freelance web designer or have a career within the web design realm. And so, um, it's, it's been amazing. And I, and I have you to thank for, thank you very much. Yeah. For giving me the, the advice and I, you know, like I've actually been over at your house to go through troubleshooting problems as to why my stupid website wasn't working for a client. And, uh, and so, you know, like, and, and I mentioned this a lot on my website, like you were one of the mentors that, that helped me get to a place to where I became self-proficient. And so my hope is that I can do that for other people. That's awesome. That's the goal, right? Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, so yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Right on. So, um, the theme of the book, obviously, is being clueless in uh, in all things and hopefully transitioning out of unknown cluelessness into having a sense of where we are clueless. Can you tell the audience about your cluelessness, you know, when you discovered it, what those things were, um, and perhaps you could start a little earlier Sure. Than just the transition to the web developer job, because starting a new career, there's tons of cluelessness. But you you had been a musician and a uh, pastor at this church for many years. Yeah. So, you know, at, at what point did you realize you, other than the financial, <laughs> you know, because sure. you knew going in there was it's not a lucrative career to work at a church. Right. Um, and if it is, there's probably something wrong, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, like what, what were the areas of cluelessness that you faced as a musician at the church? And then what have you learned about your cluelessness in this transition to a new career? Yeah. Well, so the, the church that I'm at, we've had, we've had quite a few transitions, um, of leadership and even, um, the, the name of the church. So we went, when I was originally brought on, it was called Word of Grace. And the senior pastor who had been there for 25, 30 years, who had essentially made it what it was when I was hired, at the time was transitioning out. And so... Um, Quick interruption. Yes. Our, our guest, I think one or two episodes ago was Adam Smith, who oh, also nice. worked at this church. Yeah. And that's where I met both Chris and Adam. So and, that's and our connection story. You, you mentioned his son in, in the book as well, I believe. Adam's son? No, 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 no. Oh, um, oh yeah, Gary Kinnaman's Gary son. Gary Kinnaman's son. That's right. That's yeah. right, right in the beginning. Yeah. So um, so w- when that happened, um, it, it was it was pretty, it was a pretty tough transition, you know, and, and like... I think any transition like that would be like, I don't think it's the fault of any one person, you know? Um, no, but churches, a lot of churches, the community is centered around a personality. And, absolutely. Uh, it, you, everyone says, well, it should be based on this or that, you know, the Bible or the tradition yeah. or this or that. But it's really the person delivering the message sure and it's not just churches i mean it's companies it's effectively a a change in a very very public ceo yeah you know it'd be like if if tesla you know if elon musk left tesla and they brought in someone else or something yeah well i think people are people you know and as as altruistic as we try to be or as humble as we try to be like we we bring so much baggage into our world. And, and that's, and that's what I was doing, you know, and and that's where my cluelessness came from, Mm -hmm. you know, of thinking like, okay, I I was hired under a certain person and everything that I brought to the table was valued with the new person. 
you know, and so I quickly realized that that wasn't the case, mm-hmm. you know, that, that I had to learn a completely new set of skills. Um, to reestablish yourself. It's like ex- absolutely. you had a whole new job just because the leader changed. Right. Yeah. I, I had to learn a new way to communicate. I had to learn a new way to think of myself within the organization. Um, and that's, that's something that's, that's big for me. Like I, I like to think of like, like big picture, who am I, how do I relate to the whole of what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I I became much less important. (laughs) (laughs) That is such a difficult transition. I can say just as someone, uh, since InfoArmor, where I work, was bought by Allstate in October, 2018, I was kind of a, head honcho you know like there was only one one guy running development and that was me right of of our products you know and now there's like four of us and there's people who report to us and then there's people who report to them and now i'm just like i'm just another dev leader yeah at the company yeah and it's tough when you you're like the music leader and then the new guy comes in and he's like Oh yeah, you do that too. That's cool. I'm gonna bring in my guy, right? And then he's gonna bring in one or two of his guys. Yeah. And then it's like, well, who am I now? Right. Absolutely. It's so hard. Yeah, and it takes, and it's it's healthy. It's so healthy to go. I'm not as of a big shot as I thought I was. I'm not as important as I thought I was because I feel like in that place, you can really grow. You know, and 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 I saw so much growth in the three-year transition period um, that you know it, it's it, it's just like when my wife left. You know, like there's so much challenge and there's so much heartache, but that results in so much growth and so much learning that you're like, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it. You right. know, like I'm it was it was tough to have gone through. Yeah. You know, but I'm so glad that I did. Yeah. So, and, and I think well, it's, you can't, um, when you're at the top, you know, like in a company or when you feel even in your home life, everything is right. Everything yeah. is settled. You're, you're really trying to sustain something. Yeah. And sus- for a lot of us, sustaining is not that interesting. It's not very motivating. You don't feel like, you know, this is why people become or companies become overtaken or overshadowed by a competitor. Yeah. And it's not like, um, I'm not saying your wife will leave you for another man or something like that. It's just something, anything but you can become more interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And it, whether it's in your marriage or, you know, your home life, any relationship or at work, I think like you're always better off being number two or lower yeah always (laughs) for sure because then you're striving to become number one everyone wants to win right but when you are the winner and everything is right then what do you do yeah you know absolutely and uh, oddly enough like there's there's so i played i played sports growing up Mm -hmm. and um i I was huge into baseball and i was convinced i was going to be a professional league baseball player Mm. um Despite my small stature, <laughs> I, w- I was convinced too when I first met you. I thought that you this said guy's I was going to be a baseball player. <laughs> it's amazing. Maybe there's something to that. Maybe that'll be my next career at 47. Um, no, so I my my freshman year in high school, I got up to bat on um, uh, the freshman uh, freshman team, and my first at bat, I hit a home run. And so it was, it was my first home run in, in this size of field. Like when I was, when I was in grade school, um, I, I was a home run hitter. Like that's all I did. I just hit tons of home runs. And so then I, I got to this new league and I was like, oh man, I can't hit it to the fence. And then first at bat in high school and I, and I hit a home run, but I, I'd never got another home run the entire season mm. because I was, I, it psyched me out, you right. know, like, I'm like, how how do I top this? Like, <laughs> there's nothing more to aspire to. Like right. I've done it, and and I got. They took me off. They immediately took me off freshman league 
uh, or freshman team and put me on JV. Oh, yeah. And so now I was amongst people who are much older than me. Yeah. So accidental success. Right. right. Accidental <laughs> success. And, and I and I couldn't sustain it. And uh, and so, you know, and then not long after that, I realized I didn't want to do baseball. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I ended up I didn't I ended up quitting. But, you know, I, I think I think it can be that way if if we allow ourselves to think, oh, I've reached the Mecca, you know, mm-hmm. or this is all there is there. I feel like there has to be a certain amount of striving in everything that we do mm-hmm. um, in order to grow, and and that was a that was a part of my cluelessness, you know, mm-hmm. of going, oh wait, I'm not everything I thought I was. And there's there's a great book um, called "What Got You Here Won't Get You There." Oh yeah, I have that. Um, and and it and it was super encouraging to me to to know that. Um, did you hear my stomach? I think the whole world heard your stomach. I'm really hungry. <laughs> well, another 10 hours of podcasting and maybe you'll earn a meal. Just like music streaming. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I had to, I, I really had to take some really tough looks at myself. Yeah. And, uh, and it was painful, you know, mm-hmm. like like looking back you know we can we can look at it in a vacuum in a sterile environment and go okay this is what i did but like there were tears there were wanting to quit there was questioning myself and my worth and my value and all of those things that you know you go through when the like what you bring to the table is challenged you know but is that do you attribute that to your ego or to i guess ignorance or when when you you know, when the new guy comes in, the new leader comes in and they, they don't replace you yeah. when you stayed in technically your same job, you know, yeah. the role description didn't change. The title didn't change. Your salary didn't change. Yeah. But everything else changed. Sure. Like what was it that made it so hard for you? Do you think it was your ego believing that you were bigger than you actually were? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, there's. There's a ton of ego in it. And and then there's a ton of just ignorance. There's mm-hmm. a, a ton of cluelessness mm-hmm. of um, not knowing who I really was, the role that I actually played. You know? Right. And um and so it was it was a good wake up call, you know. And 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 ego is something, you know, that I, I think all of us fight one way or another. What and, and we fight it in different ways. And it, and it can be one of the biggest killers to our um, success in moving forward in life and forward in work and the things that we're doing, you know. But there's there's either the egoness of feeling like we're more important than we really are, or the ego of feeling that we're much less important than mm-hmm. than we than we really are. But all of it points to self, yeah. you know. Um, and um, there's another book that's been been great by. Um, Carol Dwake. Oh yeah. Mindset. Uh, mindset yeah. that, you know, it, it essentially decouples who you are and the value that you have as a person from what you're able to produce. Yeah. Um, have you read ego is the enemy? By Ryan holiday. Yeah. 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 It's another good one. It's good. I, you know, um, I feel like there's this <laughs> wave of stoicism that is yeah. creeping into the career world. Oh, totally. I, I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah. But I think there is something to learn. Well, it's good for uh, uncharismatic people like me <laughs> who, uh, you know, it's like, oh, there's a word for my lack of emotion. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I, stoic. It, I'm, I'm not just, you know, on the spectrum. I'm stoic. <laughs> my wife is like, I think you have Asperger's. I'm like, really? That could be true. Um, and I've spoken to a couple people and they're like, yeah, I could see that being true. But... I like saying stoic stoicism uh, in my own head. I don't like saying it out loud. I've said stoic more times in this podcast than probably in the last six months. Yeah. But yeah, I, I agree. Um, there's, there's, there's room for all kinds. Sure. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, I think your ego uh, mindset is great because in your fixed mind, you're the best. Yeah. But in your growth mind, you are growing and right. you are someone who there's always more to learn. Right. There's always more opportunity to grow, whatever it is. Right. 
Yeah, it's it's really that like output doesn't even really matter. Right. You know, it's it's more about the journey mm-hmm. of learning and getting better and and so that that's that's been huge for me and 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 you know, transitioning into web development um caused me to see it again in a new way, you know, like that that was another big you know, known clueless, cluelessness. Yeah. You well, because you're in your late 30s. Exactly. And I mean, none of us have that experience when we're young, obviously. Right. Uh, you don't have the experience of age when you have no age. But yeah. to enter a career in your early 20s and then to enter a new career in your late 30s, man, the wisdom that you can carry with you, all the jerks you've worked with, and, <laughs> you know, the people who failed you and how yeah. and uh, not just in work, but in your personal life, you bring so much new perspective. Sure. I, it's like I think about my college uh, experiences, you know, 20 years ago, I started college and now I look back and I think I would have gotten so much more out of it if I started now. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think back to classes I took that I didn't appreciate, you know, but you can't you can't go back and change that. Yeah. But I think for you, um, starting a new career in an entirely different industry in your late 30s especially as a freelance entrepreneur, you know, you have all sorts of great advantage and perspective to bring. Yeah. I I mean, there, there is that aspect of like, you know, I, I, I bring a certain amount of wisdom that I've carried over from other things that I've done and things that I've been through. Um, and, and then there's also the, the sucky part of looking at people who are a decade younger than me, Yeah, who are much farther along you know, technologically, yeah. you know, it only, but as you and I both know, and we talk about in the book, like the actual responsibilities in the job description are like 20% of your job, you 100%. know, <laughs> 100%. so they may excel at knowing, you know, the latest CSS three, you know, grid layout methods or whatever. Um, but you know what it means to please a client. Yeah. For and sure. that is so different. And, and I think because we recently, um, we did like a side project within our company at show it where, um, we, we built out, um, almost like a, an evaluation reporting system that we, we evaluate ourselves every month. And so we were doing it all in Excel, um, or Google sheets. And so the CEO as a, as a learning opportunity was like, why don't we just, we're, we're, we're a development company. Why don't we develop something that fits our needs for this thing? And so, um, I was um, one of the the like highest person when it came to most senior. You mean? Yeah, senior. Um, when it came to like React, you mm, know. Mm. Well, well, backtracking. I was this the most senior person when it came to React that was willing to actually like help people at like that had time in his schedule to be able to do that. And for those unfamiliar with React, it's a JavaScript web framework that allows you to build applications. He's not talking about reacting to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, but I'd never like, the only thing I knew of React was knowing that it existed. <laughs> oh, so you were that much further ahead. <laughs> yeah. Wow, you really had an edge yeah, on Yeah, man, I was super senior. <laughs> Um, which oddly enough, people put it on their resume all the time when they apply, like I know JavaScript, oh, yeah. which is, which means they've heard of JavaScript. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, um, so I, I was, I was essentially leading a team of people, um, on the react side of things, you know, and, and the whole goal was to learn it. It was like an immersion kind of experience where mm-hmm. you just go and you figure it out. And so the the thing that I told my team was like, honestly, I'm you guys might know more than I do when it comes to this stuff, but I know how to learn. Like mm-hmm. I've I've gotten really good at knowing what I don't know and knowing how to bridge the gap between that and what I need to know. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's really what I bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And so the things you don't know, 
That's <laughs> you sound incredible. Yeah, it's all about humility, you know. It's all about just uh... I, I can bring my lack of knowledge to any project. <laughs> it sounded better when I was in the meeting. <laughs> uh, no, so and and it happened multiple times where you know um, we had this one really young guy, but super intelligent kid mm-hmm. who um, knew much more about development than I did. Right. But, you know, because I'd learned the skills of, you know, basically learning is just troubleshooting, you know, like why is this thing not working and how can I figure out how to get it to work? You know, and I I would, I would help him. I helped him multiple times figure out how to find solutions, you know, and I didn't know the solutions, you know, but we would work on it together. We'd learn how to search. I'd talk to him about methodologies for, you know, looking up things on the internet, you right. know, and, and how to filter through hundreds and hundreds of articles that aren't going to help at all mm-hmm. versus finding the one that will get you to the place where, oh, cool, I found it. So, Well, it's funny you said, earlier you said, um, when you got the screen to say, hello world, and you're like, it's funny how much value you, you place into something that anyone could do, you know, in a few seconds, but... I think it goes to show that all you have to do is be willing to get your feet wet in yeah. in something, something that's not natural to you, something that's that you don't inherently already know. Yeah. And I think that's true for so many things in life. And it's true for what you're saying right there. Like the the real expertise is in the recognition that you don't know things. Hundred percent. And that you know how to close the gaps between what is necessary and what is available. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and I think, you know, when when I was hired onto uh, the team at Show It, you, as a freelancer, you come with so many ideas of what it will be like when you're a part of a, a development team. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like you just, there's this false, imagine, you know, imaginatory situation of like, okay, these people, they know everything and they're just typing 100% all the right. time every day writing yeah. code, you know. And then I got there to realize like, oh, these guys are doing the same thing that I've been doing as a freelancer. Like they 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 come to an error and they don't know how to figure it out and they Google, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's no magic between a company, you know, with 100 developers yeah, and a company of one, you know, like yeah. there's no magical new way of working that you only find out right. when you work for a larger company it's it's not that at all it's yeah it's really what's the difference between freelance and full-time employment other than finding the work and keeping all the money yeah sure. <laughs> versus having a steady stream of work that's coming from some other mysterious channel yeah and then you get paid a fraction of of what that brings in yeah and and there is something to be said about a, you know, a collective knowledge mm-hmm. and, and experience of people. Oh, you know, sure. Like yeah, yeah. coming, coming to a solution takes so much less time on a team yeah. than yeah. it, than it would when you're on your own. You can just say, Hey, does anyone, has anyone seen this error? And exactly. then your team's like, Oh yeah. Especially exactly. if you're working on a shared project. You know? Right. Yeah. And so there, there's a lot of value in it when it comes to that. Um, but I think that there's just, a real big misconception of it, you know, in, in a lot of areas, but especially the, the tech world of like feeling that you have to be at a certain level before you make the step mm-hmm. into trying to find work yeah. or becoming a freelancer. And, and I've talked to a lot of people um, from self made web designer who, you know, they, they ask the question of like, when am I ready to start charging? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and the answer is always, you're ready to start charging when somebody's willing to pay you. Yeah. You know? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, that's why in my book, I've got that, like, is the person who has a van full of plumbing tools, a plumber? Yeah. Is the person who got the certificate online, a plumber? It's like, right. no, you're, you're a plumber when you're fixing <laughs> pipes in someone's house, right. you know, 100%. when you're fixing a toilet or a sink, then you're a plumber. Like, it's not about what you have or what you know. It's about what you're doing. Yeah. And if you are doing plumbing, you are a plumber. And it's the same thing with software or any other practice. Like yeah. if you're doing it, then you are it. Yeah. 
but our education system raises us to believe you need the credential first yeah. and then you like you need some imagined level of experience before you're allowed to say that you are something yeah but in the real world there are charlatans everywhere saying oh yeah i'm a senior this and that and then there's just everyday people humble people like you saying well i think maybe now i can start charging i've been doing free work for what a year yeah (laughs) (laughs) maybe now i'm a web designer yeah right well and you know there are certain things that i think are are good to have certifications. Like I wouldn't want a oh, doctor. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know? obviously, obviously. <laughs> but I mean, for, for any practice or trade right. that could be picked up with, with no special yeah. knowledge or certification or whatever, like you are it when you start doing it. 100%. And my wife and I had a very long discussion about this, like, because she was looking at becoming a freelance writer you know, at what point are you a freelance writer? It's like, well, when when you're doing work, right? When, when you're, you're writing. writing for someone else, you know, <laughs> and either they're paying you or they're not. Yeah. But it's there's still an exchange of time for value. Yeah, yeah, and you know, one of the buzzwords right now um, in in the career world and and business is the imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. and and I think it's. And the reason why it's a buzzword is that so many people resonate with it, yeah. you know, because most of us are going along thinking when someone figures out that I don't know what I'm doing, then then the gig is up, you know, like I'm mm-hmm. done, right. you know. And even even Tom Hanks um, talks about how like he figures when people really understand like he's just winging it, mm-hmm. you know, like his acting career is going to be over, yeah. you know, and yeah. there have been... A, multiple other people who have said the same thing that we look at and we aspire to be like them. Yeah. And so I, I think, you know, it, there, there has to be like a just jumping off the edge with both feet and going, I'm going to figure it out as I'm falling, you know? Yeah. I, I agree with that. But I think the more important question is what is that edge? Sure. And I think that edge is a dysfunctional, uh, infrastructure that coddles us and leads us to believe Mm. that we need it sure you know like it's sort of this great trick where you need to just jump off the edge but the edge has been free falling through space (laughs) with you you just have had your feet on it the whole time you know like there just because there's no school and there's no formal education around it doesn't mean you can't do it and before there was the formal education system, people were surviving, you right. know? So I think we all need to recognize that we live in a system that creates cluelessness. Sure. And it's like, uh, you know, it, it can teach you when was, when was World War II? Yeah. And you can have a concrete answer. But why did it happen? Well, right. that's a much harder question. Sure. And... I need to go read my history books and I need to do this. And like, then you feel like, Oh, I'm unprepared. Sure. But the reality is whose lives nowadays are affected by why world war two happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're substituting value for, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I just think that we have, we go through this system of schooling for, I don't know how many years. I was in school from like age five to age 28 or 30 or something like that. And, um, and I think it conditions us to believe that we need certain things in place before we are allowed to do something. I need to get my degree before I can do this. I need to finish this class before I can start doing this. But where's the class on parenting that you need to complete before you have kids, you know, like for sure or getting married or keeping you know, a sustaining a marriage or dealing with a family member who is in the hospital. There's, there's no classes on that. Yeah. And I think that like, we believe our careers and our work and our beliefs about ourselves need to come from some systematic, you know, well-organized education. Whereas everyone's just winging it all the time. (laughs) Sure. And once you accept that everyone is winging it all the time, 
life is so much easier. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, it is. There's a, there's a systemization to it. Um, I think it's also just a normal part of the human experience. Yeah. You know, because like you can like depersonify a system, but the systems are people. Of course. You know? Yeah. And so, um, but it's people creating security through systems. Like, right. And I, and I think that's more of the core of it. It's the, the humility, ego mm-hmm. pride aspect of like, for why did world war two happen? You know, like, I don't feel like I can offer an opinion because I'm not researched enough because what if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. you know, or what if I change my mind about my opinion? Like, and there's no five answers that are correct. You know, these are complex systems with complex answers. Right. (laughs) Well, and I, and you know, starting out and doing anything or, or changing a career, like it's, it's scary, but why is it scary? It's scary because we're afraid that we're going to fail and that failure is going to point to our value as a person. Yeah. And, and you have to like, in order to become, become less like clueless or a known cluelessness, you have to uncouple that, you know, Mm. you're what you offer versus who you are and how valuable you are as a person. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's tough. And I think all of us are, you know, walking contradictions. Like, of course, of course. <laughs> there are moments where I'm like, I don't care if you like this, I'm going to do it anyways. And then there are moments where I'm like, do you like this? Yeah. Do you want, Please you, like it. Will you like my Instagram photo? You know? <laughs> Only 12 likes. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I like it. You know, when, when I get a negative response, to something I've written or done or mm-hmm. said, like it crushes me. Oh yeah. You know, like it's hard. And you talk about it in the book as well, where people are, um, you know, there's a, a YouTube video that you put out that people mm-hmm. are, are just crazy, ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Let me, t- I'm just going to read this comment that I got, I think yesterday oh, on no. YouTube. <laughs> it's just, it was so funny. I, I know that I, two years ago I would have been like, Oh yeah. Here, why don't you read this comment? It's oh, uh, no, you know, right me at do the it. top. Yeah, how stupid are you? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh man, yeah, that stuff. It's it's devastating. You it, know, it can be until you realize everyone's just winging it. You know, like this person. Drove by my video. Right. They watched a little bit of it. I don't know why. Maybe it appealed for, to them in the first place. And then they realized, I don't like this. Yeah. I need to tell this person. You know, like, <laughs> I didn't even say, I wasn't paying for this person to watch right. it. You know, I had no ad campaigns or yeah. anything. Yet I am subject to someone winging it, trying to project their value onto me. Yeah. And that's. I've had to learn a lot through running a YouTube channel. Yeah. And in that same, in that very same vein, like I have people who will leave comments like you are an idiot. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) My response to that person's comment was, I'm very, very stupid. How (laughs) stupid are you? (laughs) (laughs) Which is a great response. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think so. I, I have a friend who, um, started a blog um, called kid nurse. She's a nurse practitioner and, um, wants, wants to help moms figure out how to take care of their kids health wise and all that kind of stuff. It's a great blog. Her, her very first post went viral. Oh, geez. So it, like it, your first home run. Right, yeah, exactly. High school. <laughs> and so, um, she, this, the story is, um, she grew up in a community that didn't believe in vaccinations. Oh yeah. Um, and went to school to try to disprove vaccinations mm. and their value. And, you know, in, in the midst of her studying, she changed her mind. Yeah. Um, and so the, her first post was talking about that. And like she, she hit publish her and her husband went to, have dinner and they just started watching Google analytics <laughs> and like first they reached a thousand and then 5,000 and wow. then got up to a hundred thousand views in an evening, you know? And so, um, 
with that comes a steady amount of hatred, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, that that topic specifically, but anything. Like, yeah. you could say anything that gets attention and you will get ridiculed for That's it. right. There's a this show called Mr. Show from the late 1990s, Bob Odenkirk and David Cross, who are now probably B-list celebrities. Back then they were D or E-list. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they had this show on HBO and it was revolutionary very innovative super funny and they have a sketch that's called it's called uh if you're going to write some comedy you're there's going to be some rat feces in there you know (laughs) and i think of that all the time because anything we put out into the world is going to face haters or hatred yeah it's just a matter of time before it gets in front of them sure if you keep producing you will get in front of your haters yeah no matter what. Yeah. And they're going to hate you. Yeah. And they're going to say, you're stupid. You're an idiot. I had a guy call me an effing Nazi <laughs> for a Frank Zappa video. It's like, dude, we're talking about a hologram <laughs> you know, of a guy playing guitar. We're not talking uh, about like the the inherent dignity and value of a human being. Right. Here, you know, like so to but it, you read these comments and you think, oh, my goodness, this person must be right. And yeah. when, when you have that imposter syndrome thing going on and you've got that, like it finds the weakness, like the comment finds the weakness, your Achilles heel. And it's like it injects that poison, that venom right into your veins. Yeah. And and you're shattered. You yeah. know, you just feel like broken. Yeah. But after a long time of haters, you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's funny. That was yeah. a good one. Yeah. You know, that right. That was a good one. Well, and I think you know that that that's a huge part of of growth of yeah. looking at something and going i know this is going to be painful mm-hmm. but i have to do it right. you know and um that's a, a lot of the the reasons why i started self-made web designer knowing yeah. that it it might get attention it might not but i feel an obligation to try to help people right. you know and um well you are a pastor you know whether you're at working at a church right, for sure or working at a web design company or 100%. whatever yeah i you know i can't dichotomize how i view the world right between what i believe about god and what i believe about work right know? i mean it, it it very they both inform one another yeah. you know oh you're just a person at work never mind i have nothing to <laughs> say to you <laughs> i can't pray for you right now <laughs> yeah no so i i think it's i think it's good but but for me, it all it all starts with with ego of going. I know I'm going to make mistakes. I know I'm going to be wrong. I know I'm going to have to change my mind and admit that what I did was stupid. Mm. But it's worth it. It's it's worth the heartache. You know? That it to me is known cluelessness. When you can acknowledge, look, what I did was dumb. It's not what I should have done. And now I think I know better. The if you're still clueless, you're saying, okay. I, I definitely know better. (laughs) But if you know that you're clueless, you're saying, I hope that I know better next time. Right. You know, I I am going to try to not make that mistake again. Right. And that's really what cluelessness is all about. You know, like we are all clueless. We are all winging it. And the only people that don't believe that are the people fooling themselves. Sure. And unfortunately, the world elevates those people. And I think, you know, I've got this book or I've got my Twitter account or whatever. It's like, oh, I've only got a few hundred followers. Oh, I've only sold a few hundred copies of the book. Like, who cares? You know, like if you're if my book sold 10,000 copies or 100,000 copies, then I would probably start being clueless because I have no idea what it would be like to sell anything in that quantity and how I would behave. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there's never a ceiling. No, there's never a ceiling. You know, like there's like if you sold ten thousand, then then you'd reach a level of probably relationships and resources that you'd then start saying, "How do I reach a hundred thousand? But if I was less clueless (laughs) (laughs) or more clueless, I think if I was more clueless, I would let it go to my head. Sure, but thankfully, I'm aware of my cluelessness. Yeah, and so. When I am successful, when I have that first home run, you know, oh, his first book sold, whatever. Yeah. Like, hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully, if I keep writing books, the third or the fifth one 
will sell 10,000 or 20,000. Sure. Yeah. Because otherwise I would I would be defeating the odds. Yeah. And when you defeat the odds, you start believing things about yourself. Oh, 100%. I I think that the struggle conditions you for success. Right. You know, it because if if you don't struggle and find success, like that's a real volatile situation. Yes. You know, like um there there's just I'm I'm so grateful for the process. Yeah. I'm so grateful for the pain and staying up late at night and and wondering if this client was going to sue me. Right. You know, like I'm I'm grateful for all of those things because it's it's made me who I am today to be able to figure out things. And and of course the the problems that I face today are much more complex yeah. than than what I faced when I first got started. Well, you see these uh there's this big Twitter fight going on about how many hours a week a developer should work, you know. 40 hours is it. No, you if you don't work 80 hours a week, you're not going to be successful. <laughs> and of course, there's truth in everything. Sure. But I think what you're after is the real answer. Like be grateful for the struggle. Yeah. And if it means 40 hours a week for you, great. Yeah. Make it a great 40 hours. But if you if it needs to be 80 hours, make it 80 hours. Sure. The point is work hard as often as you can within reason. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and some weeks it's an 80 hour week because yeah. you realized you really made a big mistake or you really need to get you overcommitted. Hopefully you don't overcommit for your next project. Sure. You know? And that's really what it's about. Be grateful for the struggle, for the process. The odds are against you at all times yeah. in terms of being successful. Because anyone who believes this is a walk in the park yeah. has either done the project a hundred other times and has experience to say that or is fooling themselves. Yeah. Well, and I think there's there's also a self-awareness of, of knowing limitations like what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like if if a 40 hour work week is a struggle for you, then you've done a good job. Like if like yeah. not that it's a struggle to hit 40 hours, but like if you're if you're eating to keep up, it down to 40, you mean? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like if you are filling that 40 hours with nonstop productivity, you yeah. know, that's not an easy thing. Right. That's that's actually really tough. Yeah. You know, and and I think that you know Hitting 80 hours is is more because we're not disciplined. Right. You know? yeah. yeah. More than anything else. Yeah. But I, you know, like I think um we have to understand, like, I, I at a place when I first started, I had 15, 20 hours a week outside of my very demanding full-time job to devote to learning web development. And so it was really easy to get discouraged and think, why am I not making more progress? Like, why am I not farther along? Like, I'm really passionate about this. I love this. Like, Mm. why can't I be there and I'm here? The gap, like in the book, the gap. And, and, and looking at somebody who doesn't have kids and is single and is only responsible for themselves. If I compare myself to that person, I get discouraged and I quit, Yeah, (laughs) you know, but, but I have to be self-aware. And, and even now, as I write, content for self-made web designer you know like and we were talking about a really long article that i'm writing and how long it's taking me and mm-hmm. and it's really easy to get discouraged but I've, I've got a brand new baby so i literally have stints of time right that i have to go right 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 change a diaper yeah right 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 feed him some milk you yeah. know like yeah. Yeah. that's that it's it's hard well and it's and, gonna take forever and no one can see that Right. No one will know that. Yeah. Like you, I listened to a, an amazing record and it's like, wow, this person is a genius. But they're probably doing the same thing, you know, yeah. like, yeah, write the song, write the song. Oh, I've got a great verse. Oh, crap. I've got to go take I got to pick up my kid from school. Right. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. None of the everyday stuff is captured in the the output. Yeah. You know, and so even for you, how you're saying well, that single person without kids, they have all this time and sure. freedom. That's you projecting your own your sure. own struggle onto them. And no, it's like, point. they don't have a struggle. We don't know. Yeah. The output never contains the struggle. Yeah. And it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Because 
someone, you know, I can put my heart into, and soul into something and somebody writes, you are an effing Nazi. <laughs> and then I just think that person has no idea how much this video cost right. me in time, money, stress, yeah. you know, sacrifice of my time away from my family. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. And they don't need to know it. Right. Do you, do you follow Gary Vee at all? I don't. So many people have told me <laughs> you would love Gary Vee. Uh, I'm sure I would. Yeah. It is very difficult to follow anything new or beyond what I am currently yeah. following. <laughs> well, I understand that. But I only say that because I, I feel like he has a good perspective on on haters. Um, and, and it's that like he genuinely feels compassion for yeah. them, you know, yeah. and, and responds with compassion right you know to to think like there's there's a person out there who their lives are 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 so devoid of significance that they have to find it by bringing a stranger down online right for something that you've done for free <laughs> right you know? oh yeah yeah and i've i've taken that angle with some commenters like hey sure. man i i'm sorry this video upset you I hope whatever's going on in your life gets taken care of because yeah. this is the least important thing in the world. My YouTube video, which will get at most 30, 50,000 views, yeah. more likely an order of magnitude less. Like that, this means nothing to the world. Yeah. There's no significance in what I'm doing here. I'm trying to have fun. And if you need to express your <laughs> your vitriol right you know and i i try to encapsulate it you'll see it in several other i mean you like no one's gonna go read my comment responses but anyway like <laughs> i am now sometimes <laughs> yeah sometimes i'm like yeah man you're being a jerk and other times like i'm i hope whatever's happening in your life gets resolved <laughs> yeah because why else would someone leave such vitriolic you know yeah. ridiculousness to a stranger well, I'm with him on that and and that i feel like that ties back to where we find our value you right. know like like ultimately content that we create it's not like it's valuable but it's not like no, of course it's and three years from down the road you're gonna delete it because you're like oh that was so stupid Why did <laughs> I do that? you know how many how many blogs have disappeared over the years because the designer did their annual refresh and they were like, I don't need a blog anymore. I haven't written a, a post in years. Right. right. And then somewhere there's like 500 people who were like, where'd that post go? <laughs> I needed that post. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. But uh, yeah, I think ultimately like you, ha you have to have a foundation and a worldview that places value on who you are as a person intrinsically despite what you have to offer or don't have to offer. Absolutely. And I think that's a great note for us to end this extremely long conversation. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. How long did we go for? Uh, an hour. Nice. Probably. Um, I try to target half an hour episodes, but here I am wasting more of your time, <laughs> dear listener. <laughs> Chris, thanks so much for showing up. Hey, so so happy to be on. And and really just want to say you've done a fantastic job with the book. I, I really hope that a, a lot more people read it than have bought it currently. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. Yeah. All right, man. 